Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, now I have to tell some jokes, huh? I want you to know I don't have any (laughs) at all, at all. I am who I am. You know, I love Passion Church, just absolutely love it. A a church that's devoted to um, being evangelical. Do y'all know what that means? I mean, you all are everywhere if you're still the same Passion Church that I know of, that my brother and sister are the pastors of, that are out doing outreach. Like, when was the last time you did outreach? I, I bet you did some this within the last week, haven't you? See, I knew it. I know you didn't even have to tell me. Because in the DNA of this church, and I'm just so thankful this church has existed and has gone through seasons and has gone through phases, and you're still here. Give yourselves a hand. Yes, you're still here. I remember when you were down close to the Northwest Expressway doing outreach, it was always outreach-oriented. And I'm so thankful for churches that are not about these four walls. Amen? I mean, we do things up in here, right? We hear and learn about God and rejoice and praise and sing, but we're needed out there. And that's why I love this church. Passion Church is a wonderful church in this city that is seasoned and is here to stay, and I'm glad about it. I'm really thankful that the Ely's and um, the, the, the leadership team saw fit to invite me to come be another voice um, to you all today. It's an honor for me to speak. Uh, if, you, if you just only knew, it's an honor for me to speak. The first time I had the opportunity to preach, I chickened out. Yeah. Yeah, I see I have students in here. I know I have some people that might be in college age. I, I purely chickened out. My dad is a pastor, and I know there's a, a legacy of pastors here. I don't know if uh, Pastor Bob is here and his wife, but, you know, I, I know there's a legacy of a pastor here in this family, so I'm part of a legacy. So I got to sit under uh, my pastor, Clarence R. Hill Sr., and hear him speak all the time. And um, it was just amazing to me. Okay, we used to sit behind his easy chair and throw out verses of Scripture we just found in the Bible. He'd tell us book, chapter, and verse where they were. That's the kind of house I grew up in. You see what I'm saying? Because his memory was a God-gifted memory, and he was the best teacher, and it was amazing. I'd sit out there as his son in awe. Well, he said, son, do you think you're ready? Because we had been having these talks about ministering and accepting your callings and anything. Anybody out here wrestled with that ever? Accepting calling? Is God calling me? Is he not calling me? Was that this indigestion? Is that you, Lord? Come on, let's be real here, right? Yeah, I, I went through that. I went through that. And finally, it was back at the back of the church. There was a, a coat rack there. And I was praying. We had a prayer meeting, and I was praying. And at that moment, I said, Lord, whatever be your will, I will do it. I accepted my calling. But then comes this first sermon. Somebody say, dum da dum dum Mm-hmm. <laughs> Public speaking really wasn't my thing. And for those that may know me, they might look at me like, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Public speaking was not my thing. I was scared to speak in front of people. Yeah, I was. And then I had this intimidation of my father and and knowing I couldn't do it like him. 
right? So this, this is Sunday, I said, I think I got it. I stayed up all night long and studied. I had, and this was handwritten back in the day. We didn't do stuff in computer. It was handwritten notes, about six or seven pages of notes. Boy, I was ready, and I had my little phrases, insert joke here. I mean, I was ready. So I thought there was a back office. This was like the area of the platform was a lot smaller than this, and there was an office back there in the back door, and I said, Daddy, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I chickened out and I didn't go out there. But then, my dad went out there to preach. And I knew I left him hanging. And I felt like nothing. Some of y'all probably could have filled in the blank. I felt like what? Nothing. Say it with me. I felt like I left my dad hanging. Didn't give him any time to prepare. <laughs> Nothing. Sister Ely, I didn't even give him a chance to even look up another text. He got up there and preached the most powerful sermon I ever heard. I just stood out there in awe because I knew he didn't even let anybody else know that I was going to be preaching that Sunday. I was the only one sitting out there knowing. And I'm like, how is he doing that? How is he doing that? And then from that day forth, I learned that preaching isn't just about book, chapter, and verse. It's about being endued with power from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit taps into what's already in you when it comes out. My dad's 76 years old. I'm 47. Or, well, he's 79 years old, and I'm 47, and I still go to him. And he tells me this. He says, son, it's already in you. It's in you, son, right? So what you see right here is a young man that was nothing, and found something, and now I'm able to speak in front of you. So every time I get a chance to speak, I'm humble. You see what I'm saying? This, this, this is a, a pre-story to my topic today, because my topic is nothing. Say nothing. So I want all of you, when you go home today, they're going to ask you, what did you learn today? You need to tell them. Nothing. <laughs> you know, I found in the Bible, there's a whole lot of, it talks about nothing all throughout the Bible. Yes, yes, it does. It does. You know, in my state, I was assuring with you how I felt like nothing when I left my dad hanging. But then the church was tremendously blessed by the message that he gave. And I want to tell you the next time I came up there and I preached. Amen? The time after that, I preached. The next time I preached. And I haven't denied an invitation since then. Can I get amen? You know, I'm not pinning nothing on my chest. I'm giving God all the glory, and that's what we're going to dive in here to today. Let's turn to my text, because I know I only have two hours here at Passion Church. Now, that wasn't a joke. I, is it too, oh, I'm sorry. I'm an hour and a half. Okay, here we go. Don't nobody text me up here that know me. 30 minutes, Jonathan. That's all you get. Tal, don't do it. Okay. Let's turn to John. Say nothing. We're going to talk about nothing today. When I was studying and reading through the book of John, I saw this, uh, this thread woven through the book of John. And um, the first time I kind of caught wind of it was in John chapter 5, verse 19. And it says, um, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say unto you, that's amazing. Truly, truly, I say unto you, the son can do of his own accord 
but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Say nothing. And, and then I moved on down a little bit further to John chapter 5, verse 30. And it says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is Jesus proclaiming these words. I, just start, bear with me. If you have paper Bibles, flip a, around a little bit, or digital Bibles, or you look on the screen if those verses are there. Look, look at John chapter 6, verse 38. As I continued to read, it, I started at 35. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that... You have seen me, yet do not believe. Then 37 says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out, for I come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I'm like, wow, all these passages about nothing and not doing his own will, and I'm not done. Please just stay in the word for a minute and you know, John chapter 6, it finishes up, and there's wonderful things in there. But then I landed in John chapter 7, uh, verse 16. So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine. I'm like, what? I came not to do my own will. Now he's coming to say, my teaching is not mine. But his who sent me, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. So, so we, we, we have all these passages dealing with this, and I thought I was done, but then I kept on reading through it, and I saw something else, and flip on over John 8, 28. I don't know if this passage might be on the screen, but John 8, 28 says, so Jesus said to him, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing for him. As he was saying these things, many believed. And I just need to stop there because every new Bible I get, I, I go and I run my own little references in the margin. Who writes in their Bible? And I, and I, I, I daisy chain those verses together. Because John was trying to get us to understand something about Jesus. You know, the, the biblical Jesus. And, you know, doctrinally, Jesus, we're taught, was fully God and he was fully man. That's what we're taught doctrinally. Um, he was not half man, half God. He's fully man. He's fully God. And, 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 and he walked down here on this earth. And then Philippians 2 gives us insight uh, about this thing called the kenosis where he actually emptied of himself. Well, emptied of himself and walked in as, as a man, a, 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 just like us. In full humanness so he can experience weakness and can experience sin. But then he did this and went to this place and got baptized by this guy named John the Baptizer. And then a dove descended as a symbol of a dove upon him. And he was endued with what? P power, 
right? And then after that, he starts this ministry of, of, of healing and, and preaching and delivering and, and setting captives free. So, so he's this full man living under this, this power of the Holy Spirit. And he, he said, I need to break something down so that people in 2019 can understand something. Number one, I do nothing on my own accord. Now, we're talking about Jesus here, right? We, we were kind of aware of him. If you're not and you're new here, maybe new to Jesus, you might not know one of his first miracles. He turned water into wine. Now, now normal people don't go around turning water into wine. You know, some people wish they could, but anyway, we won't talk about that this Sunday. Y'all with me? But Jesus goes and just turns the water into wine, miracle number one, and he goes along and heals people. He goes along and takes a minimum amount of food, and it begins to multiply in the hands of the distributors so that it can feed massive amounts of people. So all these miracles start taking place. So then we get to the book of John, and he's like, I need to be able to dissect this for everybody so y'all can understand what's going on here. What he said was, I can, John 5, 19, do nothing on my own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Are y'all with me? Only what he sees the Father doing. I'm a blessed, blessed, blessed to have a wonderful wife here on the second row, Lisa Hill. If you just raise your hand. And these six children we're responsible for on purpose. Hallelujah. Amen. And we do know what caused it. Yes. And it's good. Hallelujah. Amen. And the church said amen. And all the married folks say amen. If you're single, you should not be saying amen. It's not your time for that. Hallelujah. Six beautiful children. But like I take, for example, my oldest here, there was one day I was coming out getting ready for church. And I, I don't forget, I don't remember the color of the ch shirt I had on. But I come around the corner, he had the same color shirt I had on with a little grin on. Let the grin just like that. <laughs> what he sees the father doing, the children will follow likewise. Y'all hear me? Isn't it scary? This is all the parents in the house for a minute. Isn't it scary when you see your children replicating some of the things you do? Some of those things you hope they wouldn't see you do. Can I get an amen? And some of y'all think they didn't even see you do it, but they're still doing it. Can I get an amen? How does that work? Something in the DNA? I don't know. But a lot of times you see the Father and you want to mimic the Father. Amen? And, and Jesus says that he did nothing on his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing, John 5, 19. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So we've got Jesus walking around here on the earth with a panoramic view of what the Father is doing. So, literally, he's seeing the Father do something, then he does it. Amen? And some of y'all don't understand why Jesus had this in-depth prayer life, but he would often go away. Where's Jesus? He's doing what? Up praying. So, he had these stations of prayer in between his journeys as he traveled, and then along the way, he began to do miracles. You see, because Jesus stayed connected to the Father, he was a fully submitted son. So in his eyesight were always the visions of the Heavenly Father and his heart's desire. So as a result, from station to station of prayer, in between there, these supernatural, miraculous things begin to happen. Do you see what I'm saying? And 
How many of you all have been around someone that was an expert in what they did? Yes, I, I was with a friend of mine. He, he, he was an expert. He's an expert roofer. I'm like, I need my roof. My house roof. I, I need it roof, man. I need it. Can you get out there and do it? He said, I got you. Real calm mannered guy, not all loud like me. <laughs> I got you. I'm like, man, he got to get out there. He needs time. He's going to need a week. I got a 2,700 square foot house. He's going to need to get this done. 350 square foot garage. He needs to get out there and do it. I went away on vacation. All of a sudden, all these pictures come through before and after of a house fully roofed in one day. I'm like, how did you do that? Oh, it wasn't nothing. <laughs> nothing? Do y'all want to see Jonathan Hill get up on the roof and begin to nail some shingles? I don't think so. The shingles would be all cockeyed. They'd be going like this instead of straight across because I don't know what, the, what I'm doing. See, but he's an expert in roofing. So he knows what he is doing. You see, this state of nothingness that Jesus walked in is because he knows the expert. Amen. Matter of fact, he's in such close relationship. He said, if you've seen me in John, I believe it is 14, you have what? Seen the Father. Now that's a close relationship. Amen. So a lot of times when you run across people that are experts, something that seems really hard to you, they'll say, oh, that ain't. Come on, y'all know you're cute. That's the topic today. That ain't nothing. I had a person talking to me. They said, Jonathan, you this and you have this many kids and you do this and you're an engineer and you do all that. And I'm like, if he only knew the struggles I go through. You know, all that, I mean, that's not, I don't think about that. that. That's nothing. My wife, I married a good woman. She's the reason these kids turned out good. I had what, fellas? Nothing to do with that. Amen. Oh, yeah, she, it's them. I'm going to tell you right now. Am I right, fellas? Nobody else understands why I'm saying that, but am I all right, fellas? Thank you. So a lot of times you feel like an expert may think what they're doing is nothing. Well, Jesus stayed connected with the Father, so the things that he did in between the stations of prayer came easy to him because he was not doing things on his own accord. He was doing what he saw the Father do. So that first point in walking in the state of nothingness is you have to behold the Father in open face. You see, there is something that you must do as a believer. You must behold the true God. Amen? Now here's something I want to explain to you. Through churchianity and churches, you get a perception of what God is. It all depends on what slice of the religious umbrella you were born in. Amen? Some born Baptist, some called Pentecostal, some called Baptocostal, some born Kojic, some born Methodist, some born Lutheran, whatever little slice of the pie you were born in. We got some people that here were born in different things, right? Amen? Amen? I know you were, definitely. But you, that's one slice of the pie. But then as you begin to mature, you've got to behold the Father for who he truly is and get to understand him for who he truly is. Amen? Some of us have a bad image of the Father because we did not have a Father. Some of us have a bad image of the Father because we don't know what a good, good Father is really like. You cannot cast the image of your natural Father, whether he was good or bad, upon the Heavenly Father. I had a good daddy, right? But there are characteristics of the Heavenly Father that my daddy does not even touch. Can I get an amen? So you spend time in Scripture 
beholding God for who he truly is. And then you can walk around here on this earth in a state of nothingness and become something. Can I get amen? I'm going to keep working with this because I know my time's going to run short. But we see in here one of the keys to existing in this state of nothingness is you've got to see what the Father is doing. Another thing is that you have to do nothing on your own, not seek your own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, when I got out of college, I thought everybody has to do this. You get out of college, you get a good job, you get married, have a family, you buy a house, get a white picket fence around it, and make sure you keep your cars up to date. Okay? That's kind of the, the stigma of, of what I thought. Some of y'all are laughing because <laughs> you done had a little experience and realized it doesn't turn out like that. No, it, it doesn't turn out like that. So I had a desire and I had a will of what I wanted to happen. Amen? Well, all of a sudden I get out and get my first job and I realize I didn't make enough money. And my wife had a desire to be home with our children instead of going to daycare. Amen? We had some bad experiences with daycare. I think little Justice was locked in the closet or something like that, crying. I, I forgot what happened. My wife will fill me in later, but it was a traumatic. Honey, we got to get him out. Now? Now? <sighs> but I'm an analytical person. This isn't for all the rest of you people to just go with the flow. Any analytical people in the house? Thank you. I'm a business analyst. I'm an engineer. I think logically. So I instantly went and got my spreadsheet out. Oh, I lay out some spreadsheet. I'll make a spreadsheet holler right now. Don't nobody test me. I'll write a macro and write a formula that'll make you twist. Come on. Who in here want to challenge me? Anyway, so I wrote out a spreadsheet of all my expenses and figured out. And I'm like, I can't come home. She can't come home, I mean. She can't come home. I don't make enough. You know, and this is for the fellas in the house, man. When your wife has desire and you know you can't provide, you feel like you do. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. At school, the principal's getting on my nerves. I just can't stand it. The people are in the teacher's lounge. Those teachers are getting on my nerves. I'm telling on my wife, I hope nobody's watching this that happens to be there. I can't do it. But I'm continually sending her out to work because I could not provide enough for my family. And I felt like... So I, I saw God open up a door for me to go to this other job. And then maybe my salary would increase. So I put in those new numbers. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good. Honey, go ahead and put your resignation in. See, I had a will. I had a desire. Proverbs 16 says, and a man's heart, he makes his plans. But the answer of the tongue comes from the Lord. And I'm like, who? there's your answer. Because my spreadsheet says so. <laughs> right? I told her to quit. The day she came back in, oh, happy, come on in there. I found out something at the exact time. One of the cells in my spreadsheet had a decimal place in the wrong location. Somebody say, dumb, da dumb, dumb. Y'all hear me? It was in the wrong location, one of my <laughs> I changed it, and it went upside down. Things were negative. I did not make enough money for her to come home. Did you turn in the resignation? I turned it in, honey. I said, oh, no. What am I going to do? I was in a state of nothingness. I felt like nothing. Now I got this. My wife is coming home, and I can't really provide. You see, 
God had to teach young Jonathan, and still teaching old Jonathan, where the true source is. Can I get an amen? Back in my old church, we sing this song, we dance, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I don't want to dance now, I might twist my ankle, but anyway. <laughs> His grace is sufficient for me. Good song to sing, but when you're in a time of need, you got to live it. Can I get an amen? And you realize that Bank of America, Bank of Oklahoma, and all these other banks that are popping up, these ATM machines, they are not my source, amen. Direct deposit is not my source, amen. But the Heavenly Father, Jireh, he's the one that provides. God taught Jonathan Hill that that day. And he forced me to have faith in him. Isn't that a good, good father? He forced me to trust him, amen. In my state of nothingness, all of a sudden I became something because I let aside all of my desires, all of, I laid aside all of my desires, all of my will, put it aside and said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and surrender to your will. Amen? Because the spreadsheet lied to me. Silly old spreadsheet. I bring you fast forward to that. I got to the job, began to get raises that provided for me like nobody's business, made more money than I ever would have made at the current job I was at, praise God. And my wife has been home with our children ever since. Because see, God has a different view than me, amen. What am I trying to get the body of Christ to see here? Behold the Father, see what he's doing, amen. Get rid of your own will and your desires and surrender to him and trust that he will come through to you, amen. So when you are nothing, you can be something when you are fully submitted to the one who is, right? The one that says, I am. Amen. We go on a little bit further and we see John 6, 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then we get to this issue. I'm going to go down a little further to authority. All right? Now, authority is an interesting thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, one time, a uh, little young Juju, I sent him, I, I think it might have been Jaden. That's the one on the end. He was playing the drums or doing something, making a lot of noise. He's usually making a lot of noise in the house. So uh, now they're wondering why they came today. That's so I could pick on you guys for my stories. Ain't that what happens to preacher's kids? Well, he's playing on that drum. Anything, I don't know why I bought a drum set. Beating up, beating up, beating on it. I said, Juju, go tell him to quit playing that drum. Juju goes in there, quit playing that drum, Jaden. Jaden just continuing to keep doing it. What in the world you want, little dude with the afro? Get on out of here. I'm going to keep on playing this drum. What you doing? Then Jude realized something. He forgot the magic word. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think the magic word is? Come on, y'all. He said, Daddy said, quit playing the drums. It stops. First time obedience in the Hill House. And for all the parents in here, it still works. Can I get an amen? First time obedience. Train them when they're younger, and it will work for when they're older. Praise God. But they invoked my name, and all of a sudden, Jude had authority. And what he said, Jaden began to do. John 14, verse 6 through 10, comes on and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him. Excuse me. From now on, you do know him. I'm reading John 14, 4. It might not be on the screen. And have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, this would have been me. 
show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. Come on, Jesus, show, show us the Father. He said, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my what? Own authority, John 14, 10. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else on account of the works themselves. Amen? Jesus gives us a little bit of insight on how he was able to do what he did. He said that I am under authority. So say this with me. Say, I cannot have authority without being under authority. So in order to walk in a state of nothingness, you've got to be under submitted authority, praise God, to the Heavenly Father. And then you will have all types of power power. You will ask and it will be given. You will seek and it will find. You will knock and the door will be open unto you. Amen? You see, what I'm trying to explain to you is how to live this life in a state of nothingness, but with all power. You see, because John 15 brings it on home to us. In John 15, there's a passage of scripture talking about the vine and the branches. John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he that bears much fruit, for apart from me, listen to me, body of Christ, apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, when you give your life to Christ like I did at a young age, age seven, I walked down one of these aisles with my blue Bible in my hand. My dad was preaching and I gave my life to Jesus. Back then we did spontaneous baptism, so I went down and got baptized the same day, praise God, filled with God's spirit. Amen? Age seven, all right? And ever since I gave my life to Christ, since I was age seven, there was never a period in my life where I walked away from him. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, I'm not boasting in myself. But I used to think it was because I was raised in a Christian home only. And I used to think it was because my daddy was a pastor of a church, praise God. Until I realized I got a little bit older, and I had not didn't, done the popular sins, never drank alcohol to a state of drunkenness, or never even tasted it, didn't smoke, saved sex for marriage, did all of these big things that were right. And as a result of that, I began uh, uh, silently pinning flowers on my chest. And I was like, this is the reason why, okay, this is the reason why things are going okay for me, because of all these things that I have done and all these things I have not done and been raised in a Christian home. And then I realized something biblically, that that was not the main reason that I was kept from doing those things, because I had friends that were raised in the exact same way that I was. And some of them became addicts, praise God. Some of them had children out of wedlock, at an early age, you see what I'm saying? Some ended up in jail. And I had relatives that still are trapped in some cycles of sin. You see what I'm saying? 
So why them and then not me? So all of a sudden, I began to think. I told you I'm a logical thinker. I'm like, there's something else other than my mama's and daddy's upbringing because I knew how he was raised and something else happened there. And I'm here to tell you that there is something else that's always working behind the scenes. It's called the keeping power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's the reason I was kept at a young age up until age 47. I want to submit to all my young people in the house. Surrender your life to Jesus and live your life for him. And the Holy Spirit will work with you and keep you through all that you go through. Amen? But for those that run into a point in life when you feel like you're nothing... When you failed your parents because you know that you weren't supposed to do what you did and you did it anyway. Can I get amen? Right. If you're an adult and you realize you messed up that marriage and it ended in divorce, you see, and you know divorce is unbiblical, I'm talking to you today. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm talking to that person that knows they completely failed and were unethical at their job, and that's the reason they got fired. See, nothingness can exist in many different forms. You see, I know what it feels like physically to be in a state of nothingness. I got trapped in an attic for a little while where there was no breathing and there was no any, any type of ventilation. I called myself six foot two, 250 pounds, going to crawl on the top of a vaulted ceiling from one end to another and go examine something. Well, I, I thought I could do it with five-hour energy drink I drank that morning and nothing else to drink, and I was dehydrated and didn't know it. I bear crawled across those bottom cords of those trusses and went over there. And then all of a sudden, I began to hear something. It was my heart beating. I'm, what is that? Really loud. And here's where the funny thing is. The man was downstairs in his house. I'm working for him. But I'm going to tell you right now in my head, I was getting ready to bust out his attic vent and fall on his deck. I was about to stomp on the ceiling and fall through right in front of him. Hello, sir. I'm glad you hired me. I'm like, I can't do that. That'll be embarrassing. These are all going through my head while I'm hearing my heart beating. And it was an attic vent, and it was not a windy day. And every now and then, though, I would breathe, feel this air, and then I would be able to breathe. Oh, I was so thankful. But then I had to be real still because I didn't want to exert any energy. At that moment in time, I realized that life is just not this. <gasps> You're breathing right now. There's more than life than just this existence of this human flesh and the faculties of all these organs that are allowing me to move around in here. There's a source beyond what I see, amen. It's an eternal source. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. At that moment, I learned that God is my life because there was no reason why it was when breaths of wind would come right when I needed it. Thank you, Jesus. And he helped me to get back to the other end of that attic, amen, and get out of there. But I was in a state of nothingness. Say nothingness. See, in life we find ourselves in different states of nothingness where we recognize our human frailty, where we recognize the areas that we're weak in, when we recognize the areas where you thought you had it figured out, but your plan was not the plan, praise God, and it ended up backfiring. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or is it only me that's going through these things? You run into states of financial nothingness, relationship nothingness. Amen? How many have been in spiritual nothingness, so dry you didn't even want to pick up your Bible? Oh, it was just me. I'm sorry. I forgot. This is Passion Church. But for the average Christian, they run into an area of dryness. And 
those seasons come in your life on purpose to remind you of what Jesus taught us. He said he could do nothing of his own will. He said as he came, he did not uh, 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 do his own works. He said as he spoke, he was not speaking his own words. He was speaking under the authority of God. So if he did all those things, what about you, young man? What about you, young lady? Yeah, yeah. That's the point of my message today. The point of my message today is that in your state of nothingness, you can proclaim, like it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, that'll blow your mind. So therefore, I most, most gladly, therefore, will boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can rest on me, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So as we go and walk through this life as young believers, older believers in Christ Jesus, we have to walk in a state of nothingness. And a state of nothingness means that Matthew 5, which is one of the Beatitudes, says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there's a poverty in spirit. There's an expression that I always carry with me of the lack I have, praise God, that God fulfills. Some of y'all don't understand that because it's like a paradoxical statement, but it's kind of like this. If you have a toilet, you've seen it happen. You flush that toilet, and all of a sudden, and I didn't know where this came from when I was little, but the water comes around the bowl and begins to wash, and then the old water's going out, and I was to try to wash. Where's that water going? You see what I'm saying? This is the mind of a child, but I, I figured it out. So that water, that old water's coming out, and then there's new water, and then it's done doing this thing. It's like brand new water. Isn't that awesome? That's so awesome. Some of y'all driving around the streets, and it's like, oh, they're over there building a the lake. No, they're not building a lake. They're dredging for sand. They take big, huge, big machinery, and they come out, and they're dredging, and they're digging in the earth for sand, and they're removing sand. But as soon as you're removing something, the water's rushing in. Because it's an aquifer, there's a layer of water underneath the earth, and you've displaced one thing and replaced it with something else. Somebody's going to get the message today. When you live in a state of nothingness, praise God, that means you're continually setting off, letting off all the sins, all of the ways, praise God. When you're convicted about sin, you repent. The things you're unaware of, know Jesus' blood died for them. And you walk around in a state of humility, poverty in spirit before the Lord. But while you're walking out, emptying out, God is filling in. Somebody's going to get it this morning. Somebody is. See, when you walk around in the power of the Holy Spirit, the more you decrease, God is allowed to increase. Amen? So that means when people come up to you and they're like, you did this, you did that, and your mind is thinking, oh, that's nothing. But see, this is what it is. It's the grace of God that's working and pushing you and propelling you to do these things. That's why the you is feeling like nothing. Amen? So you have to continually to know Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Come on with me, somebody. But Christ who lives in me. Repeat after me. Say, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see, you need to remove the veil and behold God in his full glory. And as you behold him in his full glory, all of a sudden you will begin to see 
that the life you're living is not the same old Jay Hill. Y'all with me? Yeah, people meet me. No, this is not the same old Jay Hill. Right. I'm redeemed, praise God. And this exousia, this power, this dunamis power works through me. So it's not I that's living, it's Christ that's living through me. I'm imploring you. I'm begging you. Today I'm trying to get you to understand that just because you feel like nothing, you can be something. Amen. Give your nothingness to Jesus. Can I get an amen? And let him turn it into what you were originally created to do. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. He said, I have decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. I'm talking to the young person out there trying to find a calling, trying to find a way. You need to understand something. You can find it in Christ by just surrendering your life to him. Amen. Right? I went to college, changed my major twice. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Was lost for a little while. Got in the Navy, ended up getting out, had to pay him back the scholarship. You, you feel like nothing. You feel like you're wondering, but you really are doing something when God is in your life. Amen. He sees the full picture. He has a panoramic view, a topos, topographic view of your life. And he sees the destination that you're going in. So what I'm trying to tell you is walk in a state of nothingness on purpose. Yes, by living a life of surrender. And there's a song, and it's an old song, and I dare not bring it today because I know Pastor Steve might get me for singing old hymns because I know he don't do that. But it's talking about rock of ages and it's talking about how I'm hid in a cleft of a rock and some of y'all are like what's a cleft of a rock well Jonathan knows when he went to Colorado and he climbed flat top mountain anybody know about Rocky Mountain National Park I looked over and there was a thunderstorm on the mountain next door and I'm telling you it was a storm out this world black clouds dark lightning everything and only thing I could see was this rock with a little ledge hanging over it. And don't you know, if that storm, which it didn't, because I used my Abraham and Moses moment, I said, storm, go the other way in Jesus' name. So I need to let y'all know that's how that story ended. But anyway, if that storm came over, don't you know Jonathan was going to get like this? I was going to curl up, and I was going to get underneath this little cleft of the rock. And I was going to hide there until the storm passed. Somebody needs to understand me. When you're knowing and realizing you're in a state of nothingness, you got to go to the refuge. Amen. The Lord is a refuge, a very present help in the time of trouble. It's okay to feel like nothing. Amen. But us nothing's nowhere to go. Amen and be filled instantaneously while we're acknowledging that we feel like nothing. It's a simultaneous thing, like dredging for sand, like the toilet water that goes out, fresh water come in. That's what God does in our lives continually and all day long. Amen? One horse verse in this song says, and say this with me, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. That's what Jonathan's about. That's what I want you to be about today. I'm just clinging to the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
to the athlete out there. Yeah, no, it's just not my athletic ability. No, I'm clinging to the cross. And what you see is a visible display of his glory as I dunk on your head. Amen. To the executives in the house. Yeah, you think you're a wonder person in the job, but you need to understand nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. So I work my business as unto the Lord and not for you, sir. Amen. To the mother that's home with her kids. Oh, no, 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 no. You need to understand something. Cling to the cross. And you're going to see your children like fruitful vines beside your table. Hallelujah. And they're going to rise up and cause you blessed. Amen. I'm running out of time, but do you understand? The message today was about what? But I'm trying to tell you that if you can just simply acknowledge your nothingness before the Lord, amen, he will make you do exploits and supernatural things like never, ever, ever seen. Amen? I mean, people will begin to, my, I'll never forget my brother, pray for his first person and her arm was healed. It was broke, verified. Broke. Amen. I've seen demons cast out of people just by speaking the word of God. Through my mouth. And I'm like, oh, is the demon gone? I didn't even know the demon was gone. You see, it's miraculous things because I know the expert and I'm submitted to him. You see, miracles happen. Hallelujah. It's hard for me to close this down, but I have to bow your heads. Father, I thank you for giving us Jesus who demonstrated extreme humility and extreme submission to you as a heavenly father and walked in power so now we can do likewise father i pray right now for everyone that's walked in this room feeling like an excuse acting like an apology thinking they were unworthy that today they can leave lord god knowing whose they are praise god strengthen up those feeble knees god hallelujah straighten up those backs lord of those people father Help them to know their sufficiency is in you and not in themselves. I love you, Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to show us what nothing looks like, looks like when we're submitted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother, if you come up and close us, thank you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.